Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. Unfortunately, it's been oh so long since some rugby, so oh so long since a podcast, and even longer since we won. But there we go. Rugby starts again. 2022 didn't get off to a good start, but here we are. I'm Philip Mundy, and joining me is... Ian Joseph. And as always, you can find us on social media. So on Facebook, if you type in Folk on Falcons, you'll see us appearing in our picture. And on Twitter, it's exactly the same, but put an at in front, so at Folk on Falcons. Great. So there's no other place to start, really. Um, a big fried egg on the score sheet, nil against Leicester at the weekend. Um, we all, The silver line we can take is we almost stopped them getting a, a bonus point, which not all teams have managed to do this season. But then last play of the game, we managed to not even get that scant consolation. Wasn't too clever, was it? Well, no. Um, I mean, I think before the first sort of fan shuffled into the ground, you knew what was going to happen. And it almost played out like that. Um as you say, the one silver lining is, despite the score line, it sounded fairly organised in defence. I think a lot of their tries were just very good tries, which I don't think many teams would, would prevent, but it's it's the depressing zero bit, isn't it? And I think that that's the crux of the problem, which just didn't threaten at all. Um, we didn't take what scant chances we did manage to create. Obviously, Leicester took theirs with ruthless efficiency. And, you know, it, it's those these type of games we kind of show what we are, really. You know, as a squad, we have our limits. And, you know, when we come up against a team like Leicester, unfortunately, predictably, and normally, there's only one outcome. Uh, but straight off, you know, we gave away a silly penalty, which means behind on the scoreboard. And uh, once Hodgson did his thing for their second try, you know, it was pretty much game over by then. And it was a case of just trying to keep the score down and do what we can. But yeah, it's a zero. That's a real disappointment. And that's kind of summed us up all season, isn't it? The other inability to score points because yes, of course, Leicester have won all their games and yes, Leicester do score a lot of points. But, you know, when you've watched them on TV or what you do, you look at their scores, other teams do manage to get some good scores past them. We just didn't even threaten. And that's the most sort of worrying and disappointing thing or anything. Yeah, I think the, the match kind of encapsulates the season. As we've said a lot, um, we don't have that incisiveness. We do aimless kicking a bit, give the ball back to the opposition who are better at attacking than we are. And we actually, for the last bit, we defended pretty resolutely. If you think we didn't get any points against Leicester, and we were largely in our own half the entire game, and we only conceded four tries, one of which was after the 80-minute mark. So for 80 minutes, we managed to concede or defend against the best team in the league and only concede three tries, which I think on any normal day, you'd think, well, well done. How much can you get at the other end? But at the other end, we get zero. And that's because we pretty much only had a couple of attacks in the entire game. And I can't really recall ever putting any phases together in the 22. Simple as that, really. Yeah, well, I mean, the problem is, as you say, as we've said all season, I'm sure everyone's aware, lack of incisiveness. And, you know, yes, there could have been a bit of rustiness in, you know, new centres partnership, um, which haven't really played much together since the start of last season, really. Um, didn't help with Orlando getting a couple of knocks fairly early on and Burrell perhaps still showing signs of rustiness and not the easiest game to kind of, to try and, pick up a bit of match forming but yeah it, it's exactly that it's kind of summed us up really and it's yeah it's to get zero um and to not even put less than any sort of pressure at all it was really disappointing we just didn't show any sort of ability to be able to do that at all and you know Richard talks about you know playing in the right areas and 
and whatnot. But you know, it's the same thing every week, and it's just something just isn't. I know, yes, it is a way to Leicester, but something just isn't right there. And we've got to try and sort it out sooner or later. Otherwise, we're going to have a slump, kind of like we had around this time last season, where it's just loss after loss after loss. Um, I think in the league table, we're in a bit of a as it stands, a better position. But, you know, we got to look towards Northampton this weekend as a chance to maybe pick up a performance which they would have put in at home on Boxing Day against Sale. Um, if they can carry that over to a home game against Northampton, who, yes, they are very good, but are beatable, then, yeah, you know, things are going to look a lot more rosier, but they've got to put the hard work in and get the result. I think we're all looking forward to the to the Sale game. I stopped looking forward to it when my other half tested positive for COVID shortly before Christmas. That scuppered that plan, but... Everybody else was still looking forward to it. It's such a shame I got called off. I think um, Falcons team Smithy et al. were scurrying around on Christmas Day. Maybe one minute they're prodding the turkey, the next minute they're issuing cancellation notices to the press. And such a shame because it was a real time to get probably the maximum crowd of the season. Everyone enjoy themselves. And um, also, it's not just the fact that the game didn't go ahead. It's the financial repercussions. If you think we're probably going to have seven, seven and a half thousand people there. If every one of those spends 30 or 40 quid, that's about 200 grand that you've lost out, which you're not going to get back. There's no compensation package in place, it wouldn't seem. And it's a real shame that that's the Boxing Day game that um, it happened with. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's that's really kind of disappointing element is, of course, the loss of important revenue. I mean, yes, we did get the four points. Great. It's technically a win. Fantastic. But, you know, it is that loss of revenue. It's so important. And I know, obviously, the club has the policy of you can use your, your ticket for another game. But I'm sure a lot of people just because they can't make it to another game or maybe they came out of town and you know they want it they're going to you know a Falcons game while they're a backup here obviously they can't go to another home game maybe for us the season it's difficult for them to pick a game to go to right now so yeah that is that was by far the most disappointing aspect of it I mean yeah of course we wanted to be there and watch it but it is the revenue side of it which was you know it was the hammer blow element I think and if we move on from uh, revenue to expenditure wasn't the biggest fan of Carl Dixon at the weekend but I don't think we can complain too much about the scoreline but rules Leicester have been breaking off the field um it seems that they're got to be careful what we say i don't think we'll get sued because no one actually listens to us they've been rumored or i think it's now semi-official that they're the subject of the the salary uh breaches um which says it's historical next to it i guess in one part you can say oh historical that means that they've sorted things out and they've got things straight but then you think actually hang on what does historical mean and then you look at it a bit further and you realize that historical relates to around 2020 and beforehand and then if you think a bit more clearly, you think, actually, that was the season that we got relegated. And who was second bottom? Oh, it was Leicester. So had Leicester not had done whatever they may or may not have done, would it have had an impact on the team they could field? Would they have ended up scraping a couple of wins that otherwise they wouldn't have? Would we have got relegated and all the repercussions that that had for us? Who knows? Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, we talked about where we went out with Saracens. You know, we're the ones that lost out, obviously, because we were the ones relegated that season. You know, obviously, Saracens were nowhere near us in the league table, but at the end of the day, they, they were the cheats. They should have got relegated, not us. But Leicester, as you say, that really does affect us because they were the ones who were the place above us in the league. They were one of the teams that we kept looking over our shoulder. Well, sorry, looking in front of us, I suppose, but looking at the results every week to, you know, look out to see if they'd lost or not. And yeah, I mean, the fact is, the fact is, it's historical nonsense relevance, really. I mean, the same with Saracens. I mean, a lot of theirs was historical. The, the question now, I think, is not so much of guilt, because quite clearly they are guilty, whether, you know, yes, they may have sorted things out now, that in many ways that's irrelevant. I'm not sure if it's much of a mitigating factor, because they may have only sorted things out because they knew this was coming up, perhaps. But 
it's the punishment, which is the big question. It's also no relegation anymore. So how would you punish them? Do, do you just, if they finish top this season, do you say, oh, we actually, as a punishment, you finish bottom this season. You're not relegated, there's no relegation, but you'll finish bottom and you don't win the league or you don't, you know, obviously get the opportunity to win the league finishing in the, the top four. Or do you, will it be the next season where, you know, you start to get the playoffs do you, do you say we well, got to play a playoff or you are relegated? I mean, that's the question. Or will it just be a hefty fine or will it be a points deduction? So I think that will be the interesting to see what happens in terms of a punishment. Yeah, um, punishment or not, um, whether it's related or not, I'm not sure. But it's interesting that both Genge and Ford are leaving Leicester this year. Obviously, they've got quite a nice replacement in Pollard. He won't be cheap. But um, those are two England nationals who will have hefty image rights and it all boils down to image rights, this thing. And um, the little bit of spiel they've given is that they're going back to their home home clubs. Obviously, uh, Genge back, I think, to Bristol and Ford to sale. But the fact of the matter is that that is going to be a lot of salary that they've cleared out from their um, wage bill and all the associated image rights which have to be taken into consideration. But it makes me wonder whether Falcons will be able to pursue it down a legal route if we believe that we've lost out financially as a, po- as a result of their misdemeanour, or whether it's more than a misdemeanour, because it's very hard to quantify in the year that got cut short because of COVID. But the fact of the matter is that we lost players as well. We, Mark Wilson went away for a year. We lost players like Johnny Williams that season. And this has a long-term effect on the club. Sometimes it can be argued it's a good thing getting relegated and coming back up, but certainly there's a lot of bad things associated with it as well. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, this discussion came up across that with Saracens as well. Is there anything, you know, the Falcons can pursue and potentially, but it's just, as you say, you've also raised the point, it's so hard to quantify. I mean, you know, on the face of it, maybe there are grounds, something to pursue in that regards on a legal route, but would they, would they do it? Would they upset the league? You know, would they want to rock the boat too much? I don't know. Um, I think it'd be a tough one. I think there's probably a lot of anger and grievances quite rightly should be um but whether unfortunately as frustrating as it may be can we get anything practical out of it i don't know i mean would you would would you be would you see falcons taking the league or leicester to court over this i mean probably not whether they should perhaps is another matter but I, i i don't see it um even though i think we would enjoy seeing the league or leicester taking through the courts but yeah i i don't see it happening yeah, I think you've also got to consider that in that sort of scenario and business, the only people that benefit out of it seem to be the legal teams as opposed to any of the parties involved at the end of it. Um, so it's probably not going to happen, but it would be interesting if it did happen, how it panned out. Looking ahead to this weekend coming up, we've got Northampton Saints, who aren't in the best form compared to what they have been this year, but they're still doing all right. I think we need to book up our ideas. We could be on the end of another hiding. Yeah, well, I mean, Northampton in some ways had a bit of an up and down season. Um I mean, having, you know, all our doom and gloom, I mean, they're only six points ahead of us. So, you know, a win obviously really closes the gap, so the gap on them. And at one point, they look sort of pretty nailed on for that top six. Um, I mean, they may well still do it, but gap's not as healthy as perhaps it was before. I think they're beatable. I think on our day, we can beat most teams at home. Um, and as I say, I just hope that that there is a performance in there which maybe they may have brought out on Boxing Day against Sale that they can wheel out this weekend because they need a good performance. I mean, they haven't really played well since the Exeter win. I mean, I know, yes, they've had a couple of cup wins. They beat just about beat Wasps in the Premiership Cup and they beat Worcester in the Challenge Cup. But certainly league form has gone completely out the window. And they've got to, as I said, they've got to put their ideas up because we don't want... Like last season, we just have a spiral, a complete collapse, you know, around sort of midpoint of the season and then having to try and 
string a few wins together towards the end of the season. Hard one to call. Uh, I don't have a lot of grounds for optimism, but I will be a bit optimistic. I think we can win it, actually. I, I really do. Um, it just, I guess, like all these games, depends which Falcons team turns up. But I think we can have some grounds for optimism, at least, anyway. Yeah, and I guess um, after the rather warm New Year, it has cooled down a bit. Um, drove from Hexham this morning with snow all over the car back into town. And um, the weather forecast for the weekend, as it stands, is pretty miserable but it's not as cold as it has been so I think in that sort of situation the miserable the better as far as we're concerned well yeah I mean maybe a chance to kind of play to our strengths which is in the forwards but I don't know uh, you know we obviously we, we maybe we do want terrible conditions but I don't know I think uh, we can't really look at that too much I don't think I mean, we just got to try and play our game um, and just hopefully maybe some more game time with Burrell and Orlando clicking together a bit more I mean we don't know how serious Orlando's injuries are if he's going to be picked but you know I'm hoping that they can get the team selection right and you know we can play to our strengths and then try and get a result and I think we can't help but look a bit further forward to Europe I'm not sure I'd want to say told you so but when a few episodes back I said oh I'll just hold off booking my tickets to to France I think uh, I might have made the right decision and you were all very optimistic saying oh nothing's going to happen nothing's going to happen but there we go sacre bleu no voyage well I wouldn't quite say optimistic but I was I thought it would probably be just about all right but it's not and I've cancelled everything so there you (laughs) go Uh, but uh I mean, if you look at uh, Beerance and Toulon in the league, um, they're not doing well at all. I mean, it would be nice to beat Northampton and then go into those two games with the confidence of a win in the league because those two games away in France are very, very winnable. I mean, uh, the disappointment is, of course, they'll probably be played in front of no Falcons fans, which is, of course, a shame, especially for me, because I was looking forward to that and I paid all that money and, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, as I said, they're two very winnable games and there's no reason why, if we can't win those, we can't sort of look towards later stages of competition. Um, so it's a big sort of few weeks coming up, a big month, actually, because if we can get some wins going together, things start looking a lot more rosy in general. Yeah, and also, as we've already discussed, we don't have to worry about the league like we have in the past so we can really throw caution to the wind in these two games and go for it if if they ultimately go ahead I think at the minute um, it's a bit funny with sports in France I'm not sure quite what the, the rules are for getting in and getting out but also I think it's worth saying if anybody knows a Falcons fan in France he'll be going to or you're, or you're going to just go for it and shove things up your nose left right and center before and after your trip and isolate and all the rest of it I don't know what the rules actually are now um, if you'd like to be a special guest on the podcast and recount your your travels in, in the, the Gallic lands then shout shout out uh, get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or email or whatever and uh, it'd be good to good to have a chat with you and hear from you and we'll get you on the get you on the podcast so one person who may well have wanted that jaunt but probably won't now um, Mick Hogan the long Serving member of Thunder, when it was Gateshead, when it's Newcastle Thunder. He's um, going onwards and upwards, well, arguably not upwards. He's got definitely going onwards to help with the Rugby League setup uh, for the Rugby League World Cup. So um, it's one of these that behind the scenes, I think, does a lot of unseen work. So I think it's worth mentioning what he's done over the last couple of decades for the club. Yeah, I mean, he's been a huge figure at the club. I mean, he was instrumental in, I suppose, getting Newcastle more on the rugby map. I mean, he was behind the World Cup bid to get games at St James's Park, also to get the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup finals a few years ago at St James's Park, um, and getting the big ones as well sorted out. So, I mean, he's been pretty instrumental in terms of sort of get, getting a direction for the club 
for, for quite a long time now. And I think he will be missed. I mean, he's done a good job. But it's interesting how it was all sort of a, a fairly sort of low-key departure, saying that, you know, he's um, going on to do more of his own private consulting work. And I suppose, you know, good luck good luck um, for the future, really. And he's, I suppose he's kind of left the club in a good place and he, he's got, and uh, you know, he's left it in good hands, really. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle Thunder do from uh, the next couple of seasons because he's been instrumental in the running of that and ultimately it's the Seymour Curdy enterprise and if things go south with Thunder will that have a detrimental impact on the Falcons they are separate limited companies etc but on the same ticket if somebody else comes in who not sure how you could maybe improve it but if they did improve it then would Falcons end up playing second fiddle to a successful rugby league side who knows mm, well it's interesting I mean because of course Thunder in the championship at the moment so um, you know they they've come on really well the past few years. I think since the merger they have done well out of it. Um, I mean it would be nice to have two well you know a Super League and a Premiership rugby clubs both sort of in the same ground in the same city. Uh, I suppose that was that was sort of the big Hogan dream, wasn't it? Really, um, and it still made me realise that. I mean, there's a long way to go. I think, to be quite honest, I think there's probably more chance of Falcons winning the league than Thunder getting promoted to the Super League anytime soon. But, you know, it'd be, na- it'd be nice and it's, it'd be great for the region, not just for the sport, but I think for the region in general to have a successful union and successful league club, both sitting here in Newcastle. Well, you mentioned the uh, two teams in the Premiership. Well, a couple of years ago, we had two teams in the Championship. So there we go. I guess that's kind of... Uh, yeah, we're trying to be a bit more of an optimistic tinge on it, but yeah, I suppose that's true. And then one final thing, other staff members that need to shout out once again are the people in charge of the academy slash youth slash development sections of the club because um, once again, we ended up with five England players being called up, not this time for the senior level, but this time for the under-20s, which um, Ewan Stevens is one of them, who you'll all be familiar with, and I guess even Wales might be keeping an eye on him, but... Um, Got a few other names there that were once potentially for the future. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we've always sort of thought that the academy is pretty strong um, and the future is pretty bright there. Um, we do have a tendency to generate fairly frequently some pretty good players, and I think that's only going to get better. I um, mean, you can see him since I know obviously he was brought in as a transfer over the summer, but it's an example of kind of how he's developed at the club. Um, you know, he's had a lot of good first team exposure every time he's played in the first team. He's looked really good. And it, it, it's a testimony to all the hard work at the club, especially at the academy level, to to have five players representing in under 20. I think Northampton were perhaps the only other club to be as well represented. So that, you know, we just go to show. And you know, even though, you know, we might think at the moment, oh, well, we're not doing that great. Perhaps if we just kind of show a bit of patience and hold on for a couple more years or whatever, we could be getting some really, really good talent coming through. Right, so I think that brings to a close kind of the, the chat about the rugby side of things in the um, last few weeks. But if we just look at the, the results around and about, um, once again, a lot of COVID cancellations that the last spoke to. But in the Premiership over the weekend, Sale beat Wasps 26 points to 18, Exeter beat Bristol 19 points to 13. We're not going to say anything about our game, just pretend it didn't happen. Um, Gloucester lost 17 points to 20 at, against Harlequins. And Northampton got beaten convincingly by Saracens, 30 points to six. Then the London Irish Bath game um, was another one which uh, didn't happen because of COVID. So that means the Premiership table, Leicester are already on 50 points. I think they'll be eyeing up for the big 100 this year, the way it's going. They might even get there as well. Uh, Saracens are next on 41, in third are Harlequins in 38. Gloucester have 34, Exeter have 32, Northampton have 30, London Irish 27. 
Newcastle, Sale and Wasps all have 24. We're highest on, out of those teams. Um, that isn't because of our points difference, which is considerably the worst. It's because we won the most games. Um, Worcester have 20 points, Bristol have 16 and Bath have four. Um, worth mentioning the championship just because it's kind of interesting that Doncaster at present are top of the league. Um, Ealing in second place on level on points. Um, however, they've won one fewer game, which is unsurprising because they've got two games in hand. If they win those two games in hand, they'll go reasonably far ahead of Doncaster. But Cornish Pirates also have two games in hand. So effectively, Ealing are, I think you could safely say they're still winning, but I think you could say Cornish, who are in fourth place behind Jersey, you could argue quite easily that they might, they're in theory in second place, only three points behind Ealing. But I think that one of the mo- most stark things about the table that I just read out in the Premiership is that um, we're ahead of these teams around or just below us because we've won more games. But if you just look at the bonus points that we've we've won two more games in London Irish and we're three points behind them. Obviously, they drew a couple, um, a couple more than we did. But um, as we've said throughout, we're not picking up bonus points. Well, that's it. Well, about sound like a broken record. That's, that's the issue, really, isn't it? Just if you don't score enough points, you don't pick up bonus points and you're going to lose out. Um, but it's the teams below us as well. Um, I mean, we've won more games than them, obviously, which is why we're sitting ahead of them. But if you look at, again, the bonus points, that's the only reason they're sort of in touch with us. I mean, you have those teams have probably lost two more games than us, I think. Um, but yeah, they are level on points with us. So well, Worcester certainly, I know, have lost a couple more games than us and only four points behind. So, I mean, we, we all know what, what the issue is and... I don't, I don't know if they'll get addressed this season, quite frankly. Um, I don't know. It, it may have to be uh, rejig over the summer or something, but I, I can't see us changing particularly to the, our style or performance in order that we're going to suddenly rack up the bonus points. <sighs> yeah, but we've always said, though, haven't we, that that's kind of a problem. And oh, I, obviously the student would score more points are better, but unfortunately I just can't really see it at the moment. Not so... It's not saying we're not going to win loads of all games. I'm sure we will, but so his bonus points are going to be crucial, I suppose, end of the season. And given that there have obviously been no local games um, over the last few weeks, um, or very few as well because of COVID, just before that, um, I think we'll a nice point in the season halfway through to give you a roundup of how our region's teams are doing in the national leagues or the local leagues. So um, nobody in the championship of interest. Um, in National League One, we've got Darlington Mountain Park, who are 10th in a 15-team league. They are on 29 points and with a couple of wins, they can easily climb up to dizzy heights of 7th, but um, that league's broken up a fair bit and I think that um, they'll probably end up finishing comfortable mid-table, but they've got to be careful and look over their shoulder a bit. In National League 2 North, um, our interests, I guess you could say, lie with Tyndale and Bladen. Tyndale, in a similar way to Darlington, Comfortable mid-table, not too much to worry about if they keep their wits about them. Uh, they're in ninth on 29 points. Um, Bladen, on the other hand, are bottom of the league, but oh, they're joint bottom, but um, penultimate position on um, points difference. They're down there with 12 joint with Harrogate. Um, but it's only a couple of wins these put together, and they'll soon climb um, up ahead of Huddersfield and potentially catch up with Wharfdale. So they just need a string of games where they've got a bit of form, but um, sometimes these things are easier said than done. North Premier, Billingham, doing extremely well in second place. So there's every chance that they may end up getting promoted. And Anik, um still climbing the the system. Um, they're in sixth position in that league. So very pleased to see them doing well after 
I remember playing against them at Durham Northumberland Division One back in the day. But um, yes, they're, they're doing very well. And one northeast, we've got Morpeth, who are in sixth position on 35 points. Um, those that are ahead of them, um, the top two are well and truly gone, it would look like. But um, they're top of the second group, I'd say, um, in that league. And then beneath them, you've got Durham in 12th and Concert in 13th. They've got to watch out because Bradford and Bingley aren't too far behind them. They are a reasonable distance. But the fact of the matter is that those two are well and truly adrift of Morley on 26 points. So you've got to say that, unfortunately, it looks like one of those two Durham teams is going to be going down. Durham and Northumberland won. Um, obviously, interesting all the teams in this league, so I'll just rattle through them. So Northern first place, 55 points. Percy Park second, 53. Stockton, 44. South Shields West, 43. Espatria, 36, along with West Hartlepool. Hartlepool Rovers then on 35. Medicals on 27. Pontine on 26. Sunderland on 25. Ackland on 20. Novos on 17. Horden and Peter Lee on 10, and Whitley Bay Rockcliffe at the bottom on 9. DNN 2, you've got Gisborough at the top on 65, looking like they'll get promoted back into the, the first division. Um, Hartlepool on 48, Darlington also on 48, Gateshead on 43, Bishop Auckland on 42, Ashington on 37, Wrighton on 28, North Shields on 23, CM on 21, Redcar on 20, Whitby on 18, Winlayton on 14, Barnard Castle on 10 and Sedgefield on 9. Then in Durham Northumberland Division 3 North, you've got Wells End on 43, Gosforth on 33, Blythe on 27, Brotherstocksfield on 20, West End on 17, Seghill on 12 and Jerovians at the bottom on 0. I don't think we're going to talk about their points difference. Um, then finally, Durham Northumberland 3 South. Only five teams in this league. You've got Darlington, Bowden Park, Elizabethans on 20, Yarm 19, Houghton on 6, Seton Crew on 1, and Richmondshire on 0, who haven't actually scored or conceded a point or played a game. So I guess in theory, if they win the lot, then they'll be back up, but I doubt that's going to happen. And there you have it. That's all of the scores of the interest and the teams of interest too. So um, if you've got one that you want shouted out in future, if you're a Falcons fan elsewhere, we'll potentially... See if your team's worthy of a mention or if there's anything particularly noteworthy, then give us a shout and we'll uh, potentially mention it. Okay, so as the saying goes or the song goes, things can only get better. Certainly that's the case for 2022 so far. So hopefully we'll speak to you next week after a victory versus um, Northampton. And once again, hope you had a good Christmas and Happy New Year. Bye, everyone.